Thank you, Pastor Joel and Miss Jamie. And of course, we love your founding pastors also. They've been dear friends of ours for a long time. And we love the family. And man, what a blessing to be here today. How many of you'd rather be here than in the hospital? Woo! How many of you'd rather be here than in jail? I asked that question one time. I said, hey, how many of you'd rather be here than in jail? This woman jumped up on the front row. She started dancing. I said, what in the world? She said, I just got out of jail. I said, well, hallelujah. Welcome to the house. Amen. Praise God. We're so glad to be here. We love you. I've, I've had the privilege of knowing many of you for a long time. It's been a couple of years since we've been here with our schedule and so forth. We do travel nationally and internationally. But if I haven't had an opportunity to meet you, uh, I'm not one of these guys that, you know, need to hide out. I'd love to uh, speak to you and shake your hand and, and, uh, and get to know you a little bit. It's hard if I turn this a little bit toward me, guys. I just did, so I hope it was all right. It just tells me I don't push as hard. Hey, man, you got a great praise and worship team. We met, we met with them yesterday and had a good time, and they're a blessing. You know, one of the things I shared with them, because I'll, I'll sing probably at the end of this, and I like my music nice and full. Uh, and the reason I do, because let me tell you something, uh, and this is something I shared with them, and, and you're doing a good job here. There's a difference in a listener's level with sound and a participator's level. Now, if you're just listening sometimes, well, that's loud. But if you're participating and you're singing and you're shouting and you're celebrating, it'll be just right. Right? So don't forget that when you think, well, it's a little bit too loud. Hey, just start participating. Sing a little louder. Shout a little louder. Because the reality is nobody likes to hear themselves. You know what I'm saying? So if they're so quiet that you can hear yourself, guess what you're going to do? Stop. Right? So, it, man, it just produces a nice, we had a great presence. I like the sound in here. And so it's a good thing. Amen. You know why we say that? Because Paul said, if you sound the trumpet to war and the sound is indistinct, how will they know to gather for the battle? So there's something about getting the platform to the pew in a nice enough uh, manner where people can respond. So anyway, I don't know why I just threw that out there. All right. Praise God. Where were we? Hey, listen, we got something in our heart to, to share with you today. You know, as an itinerant, which means I don't pastor, I travel exclusively nationally, internationally. I endeavor at the beginning of a year uh, not to listen too intently to other significant voices in the body of Christ, not because I'm not interested, but I don't want to be influenced in a particular direction so I can share with people what I know God has spoken to me to share with the churches I'll be visiting in the first quarter. And so I have something in my heart for you as a church, as a people. This will be both personally and corporately. Are you ready to receive the Word of God? Amen. How many of you have your Bibles? Wave them, make the devil mad. Amen. I still do have a Bible, but I, you know times have changed when you carry that, right? I still have a Bible, but I carry this sometimes for convenience. Amen. So, over in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, of course, God speaking to the prophet Jeremiah, he said, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. So the reality is, before Jeremiah was ever formed in his mother's womb, before she ever gave him a name, God knew him. 
had a plan, had a purpose for his life. How many of you know that before you were formed in your mother's womb, before you were born, before she gave you a name, God knew you. God knew me. And he had a plan and has a plan and a purpose for our lives. Aren't you glad, man, God didn't just throw us into the world and say, hey, good luck, hope it turns out all right. <laughs> there is a plan, right? There's a purpose. In Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, uh, God, of course, speaking to the children of Israel who at this time uh, were in Babylonian captivity. And if he spoke these words to his servants, how much more to his sons and daughters? And he said, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans to prosper you and not to harm you. To give you a, a hope, right, and a future. One translation says, I alone know my purpose for you, says the Lord. It is your welfare that I have in mind, not your undoing. Isn't that good news? For you, I have a destiny, I have a hope. So we know God has good plans over in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, Paul kind of echoing the same theme. Ephesians 2 and 10, he said, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works or for good works, which God has uh, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Isn't that awesome? Our life is not an accident. Man, according to these scriptures, there's a path, there's a purpose, there's a plan, and according to these scriptures also, it is a good path, it is a good plan, it is a good purpose. That's comforting, isn't it? So we can say in light of these scriptures this morning, uh, and I can say with absolute confidence, that our best days, personally, corporately, they're not behind us. They're ahead of us. As a believer, you can always say the best is yet to come. No matter you know, what the past has held, your best is yet to come. You say, Brother Marty, why can you say that with any sense of confidence? I say it on the basis of the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 18, the Bible says, The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It shines brighter and brighter, the King James says, until it reaches full strength at noonday. The New King James says until it reaches uh, the perfect day. So according to the Bible, if you and I will follow God's uh, leading, if we will seek His counsel, if we will seek His wisdom, if we will implement His plan, then all will go well with us. It doesn't mean we won't have challenges, obstacles, and adversities along the journey. But our path should be growing brighter and brighter. And the day you lay down your physical body and you enter into the eternal realm, it will continue to grow brighter and brighter. Oh, that's some good news, right? So here's what I want to encourage you this morning, considering the path and the purpose and the plans of God for us personally and for us corporately. I want to encourage every person in this room. We're still in the beginning uh, segment of 2019. And I want to encourage every person at the bidding of the Holy Spirit as we enter this work, this year. I want you to say on the inside to yourself and to God. I want you to say a great big yes to God this year. Yes to His plans. Yes 
to his purposes, yes to whatever instructions he may give you personally, yes to whatever goal or dream he may place on the inside of your heart to achieve, yes to whatever lands, so to speak, he may tell you to possess, just say yes. Yes, I can. Yes, I will. Yes, we can. Yes, we will. Turn to your neighbor and say, yes, we can. You know, listen. When God gives a directive, when He places a goal or a dream within our hearts, when He makes a promise in His Word, He simultaneously makes available to us the wisdom, the resources, the ability, the grace to bring those things into fruition. But you're well taught here. As men and women of faith, you understand that it is very crucial all along this predetermined path that God has prepared. And everything that we need is very important that we stay in agreement with God all along the journey. And what I mean by that is not only in agreement with his promises, the things that he's already declared over us as his sons and daughters, but also, friends, we have to stay in agreement with God concerning his plans, those plans that he's predetermined, concerning his purposes. I have to stay in agreement with God concerning those things that I have asked for in faith. I have to stay in agreement with God with that which He has placed in my heart and in yours to accomplish, to become, to do. Because if I don't stay in agreement with Him, it will not come into fruition. And one of the major ways that you and I can stay in agreement with God concerning His plan for your life, His plan for my life, His predetermined paths, the goals, the dreams, the aspirations that He's placed on the inside of us to accomplish, to become, and to do. The way, one of the major ways that we stay in agreement with Him is, guess what? Everybody listening? With your mouth. Your mouth. And why do we say that? Because, friends, our mouths, which is our words, our mouths have tremendous impact on our minds, our hearts, our wills, our self-determination in life. Right? So believing the right things about yourself, about your future, about God's love for you, about His plans and purposes, believing the right things and saying the right things is crucial to seeing those plans and purposes that we read about in all those opening scriptures. It's crucial to seeing them come to pass. So that may seem odd to some people when you say your mouth, but once again, your mouth and mind have tremendous impact on the mind, the will, the heart, and self-determination. Now, you might be here this morning, 2019, we're you know, in the third month now, getting started, and maybe, you know, you want to look forward to this year with a sense of expectation, a sense of anticipation. Everyone's talking about their New Year's resolutions, their goals, oh, we're all hyped up, you know. And maybe you're here this morning and you're carrying over into this year a, a sense of disappointment, perhaps, from previous years or beyond. 
Maybe you're carrying this lack of confidence because you've had some dreams for a long time. You've had some goals for a long time. You've had some prayers that you've offered and needs that you need to have met and you've yet to see those dreams come into fruition or maybe you've yet to see those prayers answered or those needs met. I want to encourage you this morning by the unction of the Holy Spirit to stand firm, stand strong in your faith because I believe by the Holy Ghost that there are some things in the hearts of people in this room that you have held in what I call the womb of faith for a long time. And you know what? Delivery time is drawing near. Whoa, but you're going to have to stay in agreement with God. Everybody say stay in agreement. <laughs> so I want to talk to you this morning about what we call laws of faith and particularly along this, this line of our, our words. Now listen, I know you once again are well taught, so don't, don't turn me off just because I said I'm going to be talking to you about a particular law of faith and the power of your words. Because if you'll listen this morning, uh, God will speak to you. Amen. Over in Mark 11, 23, I want you to notice these are Jesus' words. He said, Assuredly, I say unto you that whoever says to this mountain, Be removed, be cast into the sea, and will not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will come to pass, he will have whatsoever he says. Dear Lord, that is almost unbelievable. And yet it's written in red. <laughs> These are not my words. These aren't your words. These aren't your pastor's words. Jesus said, what a man or a woman will believe in their heart and declare with their mouth. Not just declare with the mouth, but believe in the heart and declare with the mouth. It will be done. Now we understand in this natural life there are other components involved in bringing God's plans and purposes into fruition. There's the human part, the doing part, right? The human and the divine that work together. But I'm emphasizing this morning the power of our words. Jesus said if you and I will believe in our heart and declare with our mouth, things will obey us, things will happen, right? Now I don't think many Christians believe that scripture. Because if they did, they'd pay a lot closer attention to what they're saying. Right? So, once again, we call this particular scripture, in, in the laws of faith, we call it the command of faith. Believing in the heart, declaring with the mouth, we call it the command of faith. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means simply the releasing of supernatural power through the spoken word with the expectation see of changing altering or removing if necessary the mountain the circumstance the situation that is confronting us this is what we call the command of faith man you release supernatural power through the authority of God's Word in your mouth and you release it with the expectation of changing altering or removing the mountain that is confronting you whatever it may be alright that's what we call the command of faith but what I want to emphasize this morning is not the command of faith as an event 
where you're actually releasing that power. I want to talk about it as a lifestyle. A lifestyle. Believing in the heart and declaring with the mouth. Anybody with me? So, guess what? Believe it or not, your words and mine are very, very powerful. And they carry significant impact in this natural realm in which we live. Every person in this room, you were created in the image of God. You are a spirit being. Did you know that? You live in a physiological body, but that is not the essence of who you are. You are a spirit being. And as a spirit being housed in a physical body, your words and mine are of a spiritual nature and origin. And because of that, once again, our words have tremendous impact in this natural life we live. So thinking about that in, in Hebrews 11, notice verse 3. The Bible says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things that are visible. So what does that tell us? Everything that you and I see in this natural, physical, tangible realm was created by, listen, and it is sustained by an unseen, intangible spirit realm. Right? 2 Corinthians 4.18, notice what Paul said, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? Temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. So look here, this is what we conclude. The natural was created by the spiritual. The temporal was created by the eternal. Therefore, the natural and the temporal are subject to the spiritual and the eternal. So your words and mine, being of an eternal and spiritual nature, have preeminence and tremendous impact on the natural life we live. So what we say is extremely, extremely important. You're well taught here. You know. Our words are containers. They carry substance. They can carry life, strength, peace, joy, faith, confidence, hope. Or guess what? Your words can carry negativity, doubt, fear, discouragement, despair, right? As a matter of fact, in Proverbs chapter 18 and 21, notice the scripture says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat its fruit. Man, listen, listen to the Message Bible. Words kill or words give life. They are either poison or they're fruit. Man, you choose. Woo, I don't know about you. It makes me want to pay attention to what's coming out. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison 
or their fruit. We choose. I don't think most, most Christians, you do, but not most Christians, realize the importance of this reality that our words, in one sense of the word, dominate our lives. The reality is we will most often never rise above the confession of our own lips. Most people always rise or fall to the level of their confession. Now, once again, why? Well, because they're impacting their own mind, will, heart, and self-determination in life, right? Either negatively or positively. Some people say, oh, come on, man. Is, you know, is this, some, is this real? Is there a scriptural precedent for what you're saying? Absolutely. And we'll look at one. You remember in Numbers chapter 13, uh, God had, of course, promised the land of, of Canaan to the children of Israel, right? They were in uh, captivity in Egypt, and he said, listen, I'm going to deliver you. I've got an amazing place I've prepared for you, and uh, you just got to take the journey. You've got to have confidence, and you've got to come on in and possess what I've already prepared and made ready for you. So in Numbers chapter 13, beginning in verse uh, 26, let's read. And we'll read through 33. Why I'm telling you this is because there's some great days ahead of you, personally and corporately. And God's plea is that we will stay in agreement with Him, right? And we'll say, yes, Lord, we can. Yes, we will. Now, in Numbers 13, they departed and they came back to Moses and Aaron. They, you know, He spent, sent out, what, 12 spies? One from each tribe. Forty days they're in the land. Now they've spied it out. They've come back to give a report to Moses and the elders. So they departed. They came back to Moses and Eldon, Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told them and said, Well, we went to the land where you sent us, and truly it flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Woo! Look, man! It's awesome! Look what God has promised! Look what He's placed in our hearts to do! Here's the fruit! It's amazing! But now they messed up. Look at the next word. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Now, what do they do, friends? This is what sometimes people do in life. You've got something in your heart to achieve. God sets forth a directive. He puts a goal. Uh, you've got a dream or whatever it is or divine assignment. And you see the potential, but then all the negativities begin to scream in your ear. How many of you know there's a lot of negatives in this world? There's a lot of negative voices. Amen? And so you got to be careful who you listen to. Right? And so they begin to point out all the reasons why what God has said belonged to them was impossible to possess. And we can do that ourselves. Talk ourselves out. Of our dreams, our goals, our aspirations, our God-given assignments. Notice verse 30, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let's go up at once. Let's take possession. We are well able to overcome it. But the men who had come up with him or gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people. 
They're stronger than we are. And he gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they'd spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. All the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. They, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in theirs. What am I saying to you this morning, friends? Listen, there will always be two clubs or two camps in this life. There will be the weekends and the weekends. And you and I personally and corporately, we have to decide what club are you going to be a part of. And you decide that right up here and right here. Are you going to be a part of the weekends or a part of the weekends? And notice they said we were as grasshoppers in our own sight. How we see ourselves, how you see yourself, how I see myself, and what I say to myself about myself, about my abilities, about God's ability in me, about my future, about my goals and yours. What we say to ourselves and about ourselves has tremendous impact on whether or not we're going to accomplish those God-given destinies, plans, and purposes. We've got to what? Stay on the winning side. Stay in the we can club. Say it again, we can. So now notice Numbers 14 and verse 2. Here they come back with this negative report. And watch. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. Now stop right there. All the children of Israel. Isn't it interesting how the negativity of a few can impact the attitude and the faith of many? Right? That's why you and I have to be very, very uh, cognizant once again of who we allow to speak into our ears. you got to be careful what you listen to, whether it be from the seen realm or the unseen realm. Because the devil will talk you out of the things God has for you. Right? So we have to be careful. The negativity of a few, even as a congregation, as you're moving forward into the fullness of all that God has, never be a part of the we can'ts. Never be a part of spreading negativity. Let's stay on the winning side, on the positive side, right? And let's encourage each other in the vision. So, they begin to complain, and notice what they said as we continue uh, in, in these verses. If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, would... Why has the Lord brought us out to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Come on. Is this really on, this, on the table for discussion right now? Would that we died in Egypt. Would that we died in the wilderness. Have you forgotten how bad it really was? You know, sometimes you can forget where you came from. You're in a bad situation. And man, you just start complaining and whining. I, uh, well, hey, just remember how it used to be. Right? And God's been faithful. 
I mean, they said, man, I wish we could go back to Egypt. Would we die in the wilderness? Are you kidding me? God delivered you with signs, wonders, and miracles out of that land of Egypt. He's given you quail from the sky, manna from heaven, water from a rock. He has led you with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, and you want to go back? Whoa! You got the wrong perspective. You got to get on the winning side. Amen. And so, you know, God got hot about it. Thank God we're in a new covenant. I don't know if you've ever read the story, but he does have a limit. But thank God for his mercies in this covenant. But if you've ever read the story, uh, he said, uh, Moses... You and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb and your families, step over here. I'm a, and this is what he, I'm about, now he didn't say this, but he said, I'm about to make burnt toast of these people. He, he was going to destroy them. And Moses got up in the middle of it and said, now God, 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 you, you, you can't do that. You brought them out. By signs and wonders and miracles. And all the other nations will say, you just brought them out to destroy them by your own hand. God said, all right. But I'm going to tell you one thing. Every single one of them, 20 years old and older, that said, I can't, they won't. Now, man, I'm telling you, that's powerful. Every single person of that, of that generation, 20 years and older, they never entered the land that God had prepared for them. Their attitude and their, their words affected the outcome of that entire situation as far as they were concerned. <laughs> Is this stuff real? It's real. But now listen, in comparison or in contrast, Joshua and Caleb, what did they do? They stayed on the winning side. They kept their mouth in line. And they said, hey, if God has said it, it's true. And in our dispensation, we'd say, if God's proclaimed it in His Word, I agree with it, I'm going to stay on that side. If God has purposed it and planned it or put it in our hearts to achieve, we will, we can, He's prepared it, we're going to take it. That's the attitude, friends, in life. Why? Because God is your Father. He's on the inside of every one of us. You're already on the winning side. Just stay there. <laughs> Even when it looks like you're not winning. Say, I win. Because you will. You'll come out. Whoa. Hallelujah. So I love, I love Caleb's testimony. Sometimes people think, well, I'm too old. It's too late. No, 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 no. Look here. Caleb's testimony in Joshua chapter 14, 7 through 12. Man, listen at this guy. He was 40 years old when he went to spy out the land, and because of all the doubt and unbelief, he had to wait around 45 years. But now listen. He said, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Canish Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. Hey, let's let that be our testimony. When we stand before Him, I wholly followed the Lord my God. 
I, I bloomed where I was planted. I did my part, Father, in the local church. I've served you with all my heart. I've done my best to run my race with joy and with faith and with confidence. Now listen, verse 9, So Moses swore on that day, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever. Because you have wholly followed the Lord my God, and now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Watch this, guys. Forty-five years ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. And I'm as strong today as I was the day that Moses sent me. That supernatural, man. <laughs> See what faith and confidence will do? Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both going out and for coming in. Now, now therefore, give me this mountain. We'll just stop there. Give me this mountain. Don't you love the attitude? Wow. So listen to me. There were only two individuals from that entire generation that entered the promised land. Two. Joshua and Caleb. Guys, what made the difference? What made the difference? Their attitude and their declaration. Their attitude and their declaration. And their attitude and their declaration were formulated based upon their faith in God and His ability to do what He promised He would do and to enable them to do what He told them to do. Right? Ooh, hallelujah. I want to encourage you today. Embrace God's Word. Embrace the dreams, the goals, the directives. And may I also say this, if necessary, re-embrace if necessary. If you've let some things go but you know they were in your heart, re-embrace them now in this time. And in uh, this season, and boldly declare, we can do it. I can do it. It will come to pass. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If God said it belongs to us, then it does. And we will not do without it. Never talk failure. Never talk defeat. Never admit for a moment God is not big enough to bring you into the fullness of what He's planned and purposed. That's just a good rule of thumb. Now listen, we all have the tendency to whine. I'm a musician. I'm a creative personality. And for some reason, musicians, you know, have this melancholy tendency. I I'd say not all, I won't categorize, but most, many times. Creative personalities are what you call melancholies. And they have a tendency, you know, to, be, to whine in life if things aren't perfect. And, you know, hey, I've been there. I know I walk that. But I've been baptized in the Holy Ghost since I was 18, got on the Word. And I said, no, 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 stop that nonsense. And if I do... Get tempted to whine. You know, I'll tell you something that'll stop, stop you. You're whining and your wife says, well, just receive that. <laughs> just receive that. I was like, no, I don't want to receive that. Right? That'll change you. But I just pick myself up by the bootstraps and slap myself in the face and say, hey, 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 hey. Stop whining. Get your mouth and your attitude in line. 
Sometimes we have to talk to ourselves. <laughs> so, listen. Instead of talking all the negatives, talk about how all things are possible to him that believes. Nothing is impossible with you. Right? Stay on the winning side. I'm going to keep saying that so it will get into your consciousness. Right? It will come up when you start whining. He said stay on the winning side. Right? Christianity is called the great confession. There's something extremely important about the way we speak. You know, I, I, I think most Christians are defeated in life because they believe the wrong things and they say the wrong things. Their words are holding them imprisoned in a place far below God's intention for them. You know, there's a story in Mark chapter 5. Uh, we won't read the entire context, uh, but in verses 25 through 34, the story is about a woman with an issue of blood. How many of you have read that story? And you remember that, uh, you know, uh, she, of course has suffered for about 12 years. She spent all of her money. She's had the best doctors. No one could help her, right? And so she's, you know, in a pretty uh, uh, difficult place. And then here in verse 27, the Bible says, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and she touched his garment. Now watch this. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. That's an awesome declaration. But I want to bring forth a point. It kind of goes along with some things that we're sharing with you. Now, I know that there's a lot of younger uh, generation and, and some people that probably haven't been in, in the church for perhaps a long time. But uh, there probably are a few of you who are familiar with a man named Kenneth E. Hagan. Anyone? Raise your hand if you're familiar with Kenneth E. Hagan. Some of you would be, some of you not. I understand that as a new generation. Anyway, Kenneth Hagan was uh, uh, what we would call uh, a prophet and a teacher in the New Testament dispensation. I traveled with him 11 years. Uh, he's got some great books out there. He had several significant visitations of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout his life and ministry. Uh, but there's one that is recorded in a book called Write Your Own Ticket with God. It's a little mini book. You can get it on iBooks. Write Your Own Ticket with God. But I want to comment on that. Uh, Brother Hagen was holding a meeting in Phoenix, Arizona in 1953. Uh, they had concluded the evening service. They came back to the pastor's house for refreshments. And he said as they were sitting there about to partake of the refreshments, he had what we call a burden or an unction to pray. Now, had he been in the company of unbelievers, he would have excused himself. But he was in the company of pastors and fellow believers. And he said, guys, I need to pray and I need to pray now. They said, well, we'll help you. So they got on their knees. They began to pray in the Spirit, as Paul speaks of in 1 Corinthians 14. And in the process of, of a little bit of time, all of a sudden he has what we refer to as a spiritual vision. Now, a spiritual vision is when your eyes are closed, but you're seeing into the spirit realm, as opposed to an open vision where your physical senses are intact, but you're also seeing into the spirit realm. So his eyes were closed and he had a vision. In this vision, take it or leave it, I'm just telling you his testimony. Jesus appeared to him in this vision. He showed him uh, some things concerning an upcoming service 
where there was a gentleman, an elderly gentleman. Jesus told him, now listen, he's got one foot in hell and the other is sliding in. And what he meant by that is the guy's not born again. He's elderly. His time on earth is limited. And he's got one foot in hell and one going in. He needs to get saved. That's the compassion of God. So just as he saw it in the vision, the man was sitting exactly where he saw he would be sitting. He ministered to him. He was saved, came into the kingdom. Then he talked to him about some things pertaining to his ministry and finances and, um, and the nation of America. So in this vision, Jesus is, is, turns around to depart. And Brother Hagin said, I don't know why this is the only thing that came to my mind. But he said, Lord Jesus, before you go, may I ask you a question? <laughs> and he said, Jesus turned around, came back and said, well, certainly. He said, now I've been studying this sermon, this passage of scripture in Mark chapter 5, about the woman with the issue of blood. And he said, it seems to me that the Holy Spirit has been attempting to get some revelation over to me, but I've been able, unable to receive it in its totality. He said, while you're here, would you mind giving it to me? <laughs> he said, Jesus said, sure. He said, you're right. I've been attempting to get some revelation to you through the person of the Holy Spirit, but since I'm here, I'll give it to you. So he said, Get a piece of paper and write down one, two, three, four. So Brother Hagin said he got a piece of paper and he wrote down one, two, three, four. And then he closed his eyes and he saw the vision again, Jesus right there. And this is what Jesus said to him. He said, if anyone anywhere will implement on a consistent basis these four principles or steps, they can receive whatever they need from me or God the Father. Now, that's powerful. But, you know, sometimes we think things are so mystical and so complex. And here's the four steps. The first one he gave him was, say it. Now, isn't that in the Bible? Absolutely. He said, say it. Now, these were his comments. And I'll give you the other three just for information. But he said, say it. Now, now notice, he said, positive or negative? It is up to the individual. Wow. According to what the individual says, that is what he or she will receive. These are not my words. I'm quoting what he said Jesus told him. He said this woman could have made a negative confession instead of a positive one. She could have said, there's no use for me to go. I've suffered so long, 12 years I've been sick. All the best doctors have given up on my case. I've spent all my living upon physicians. I'm no better. I'm growing worse. I have nothing to live for. I might as well die. Now, did you hear the context of that? Now, notice what Jesus, the creator of the universe, said. If that would have been what she said, that would have been what she received. But she did not speak negatively. She spoke positively. For she said, if I touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now, the four steps were say it, do it. See, that woman wasn't supposed to be in public. She could have been stoned because she was unclean. And they were not supposed to be in a public gathering. But she what? Man, she put action to it. There's most often, once again, the human cooperation in some arena. Jesus told Brother Hagin, most people miss it in the doing part. So say it, do it, receive it, and then go tell it. Give testimony of it. But the point is, and I'm, I'm finishing, I'm almost done. 
what we say is significant. Right? Why are you telling us this? Because you've got some lands ahead of you to possess. Personally, corporately, this is a great season. This year is initiating some things. But if you're going to see it come to pass, you've got to what? Stay on the winning side. Stay in agreement with God. Keep our mouths in line. Don't talk a bunch of negativity and junk to your spouse or to your friend or to your co-worker. Right? And if you have been, I'm not getting on you. It's not me. It's the Holy Ghost. Just change tracks today. All right? How many of you give me five more minutes? Five. Anybody? Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five. Okay, praise the Lord. Now, this is my last scripture. There's a significant uh, story or passage of scripture that kind of sets forth a spiritual principle about what we're talking about this morning. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. Romans 4 and 17. And we'll read through verses 21, I believe it is. You know it. You remember God had spoken to Abra, Abram when he was 75 years old in Genesis chapter 12. And he said, hey, Abram, I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to leave your family. I want you to go to this land that I have prepared for you. And he said, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make your seed as the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. You are going to be a great nation. And through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Right? So, here's Abram's response. I have made you, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that be not as though they did exist. Or that do not exist as though they did. Who contrary to hope, in hope, believed. Maybe that's you this morning. Contrary to hope, God is asking you, in hope, believe. Right? So that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. He goes up to 99 years old, 24 years have passed, and he has no child of promise. Right? And he thinks, man, is this word still true? Is God's plan going to come into fruition? Being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong or strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Now, friends, what are we looking at here? God said, Abram, I'm going to change your name to Abraham. Why? Because a father of many nations have I made you. Is that past, present, or future tense? Past. We just read when we opened this, friends, God said, I know the plans that I have for you. I have prepared a path before you. Right? Didn't He say, 
That which He has prepared beforehand. And that's something I think we need to realize is that God, friends, He does not dwell in the same realm of time and space that you and I do. Sometimes things that are future events to us, in the mind and perspective of God, they are present realities. He's already made the way. He's already made the provision. He's already made the way for it to happen. We have to what? Stay in agreement with Him. Keep moving forward. How do I explain that? Let's see. There was an ant crawling across this platform. I am outside of His realm of time and space. From my perspective, I can see where He's been. I can see where He's going and where He is. Right? I can see where He's going. I'm seeing all facets of His existence simultaneously. Just like God does. And I could put a piece of fruit over here in front of His path. And if I could communicate to him, I would say, Mr. Ant, I have given you a piece of fruit. And he'd say to me, please give me a piece of fruit, please. I, I, I have given you a piece of fruit, but I don't see it. I, I, I'm not enjoying it yet. I, I haven't come to the fullness of it. I know, but I've given it to you. It's already there. Just keep moving forward. Stay in faith. Stay on the winning side. Do what I tell you to do. Believe my word. And you'll intersect it. It's already there. Oh man, I'm telling you, there's some dreams in the house. There's some goals, there's some aspirations, there's some businesses God wants to birth, there's some families He wants to restore, some children He wants to get back on track, some relationships He wants to restore, some visions He wants to bring into fruition. You've asked Him. He's heard you. Stay on His side. Stay in agreement. Keep an open ear then and an open heart to take what I call your divine cues. And you'll come to the right place at the right time with the right people. Whoo! Anybody with me? So here's our response. The same as his. He believed God's word. He embraced it as a present reality. He refused to consider all the negativities and contrary circumstances. Right? And he gave glory to God being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform it. And as a result, it came into fruition. What's the Holy Ghost saying to us today as a people, personally and corporately? Stay in agreement with God this year. Stay on the winning side. Boldly declare. If God has spoken it, if His Word has promised it, if the Holy Spirit has placed it in my heart to achieve, then it's mine. And it will come to pass. We'll go in, we'll possess the land. We'll possess what He's promised. Amen? We'll possess all that He's prepared for us corporately and all He's prepared for us personally. Everybody say, yes, we can. Yes, we will. The Word of the Lord came to me recently saying, and I'll just give it to you because it's coming up again. He said, now is not the time to draw back. 
to relinquish your position of confidence, to let go of the things that you've asked me for, or to abandon that which is in your heart to accomplish or to achieve. But now is the time to stand strong in faith, right? To refuse to let go. To stay in agreement with God and to move forward and to declare it so. It will all come to pass. Yes, we can. Yes, we will. All that you have promised and prepared and provided, it will be accomplished and it will be fulfilled. Amen? Somebody say, I agree with that. Pastors, join your hands. Stretch your hands out towards your pastors here. Thank you, Lord. Oh, glory to God. For I hear the Holy Ghost saying, Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. The path. The path. The path that is before you, though unchartered from a natural perspective, lies securely in my hand. And step by step, it will unfold as you follow my purpose and my plan. And as it has been, saith God, it will continue to be that I will strengthen, I will supply, and I will sustain thee. And though the path has seemed uh, uh, somewhat uphill and perhaps uh, challenging to plow, things will level out very soon as you turn a corner now. And it will begin to flow at a smooth and a rhythmic pace. And the things you've been praying about, they will fall into place. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And all of those who are with you, and you yourself, you will possess the land that God has prepared. You'll say, it all came to pass because we believed and because we declared. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's lift our hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We say, yes, we can. And yes, we will. I'm telling you something. Your best days are ahead of you. They're not behind you. Glory, glory, glory. Everybody stand up in the house. We're going to sing a song together. And I'm going to turn it back to your pastor. I said we're going to sing it together. So this is a participator's level. Right? They're going to have some words. Let's make this our declaration. And I hope you know I didn't just come with some kind of just contrived thing. I'm telling you by the word of God. Amen. If you'll take that this morning and hold on to it. And agree with it. You'll see some things unfold. Go ahead, crank her up. <laughs> Kwame. Oh yeah. Give me a little reverb.
covers the multitude of sin. You know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. All right, come on. Somebody say it's coming to pass. Say it again, it's coming to pass. Woo. Oh, yeah. Come on. We've got to get a little sway in here now. Here we go. It's coming, coming, coming to pass. I know it's coming, coming, coming to pass. Hey, everything that is said, every way I've been led, don't you know it's coming, coming, coming to pass. Everybody say, it's coming, coming, coming to pass. Give me some reverb, brother. It's coming, coming, coming to pass. Hey, everything that is said, every way I've been led, don't you know it's coming, coming, coming to pass. Listen now. God's not a man that he should lie. He is the way, the truth, the life. And if he said it would be, it is something I'll see. You know it's coming, coming, coming to pass. Everybody say it's coming, coming, coming to pass. I believe it's coming, coming. This is your time to confess it in faith. Everything that is said, every way I've been led. Don't you know it's coming, coming, coming to pass. Hey, come on. God's not a man that he should lie. No, he isn't. He is the way, the truth, the life. And if he said it would be, it is something I'll see. Don't you know it's coming, coming, coming to pass. Somebody ought to shout a little bit in here. Woo! <laughs> I'm telling you, I believe it. Yet the best is yet to come. Woo! Hey, hey, it's coming. Let's sing it again. Everybody say, It's coming, coming, coming to pass. I believe some dreams are coming, coming, coming to pass. Hey, everything that is said, every way I've been led. You know it's coming, coming, coming to pass. God's not a man. God's not a man that he should lie. He is the way, the truth. And you guys got rhythm around here. Everything that is said, every way I've been led. Don't you know it's coming, coming, coming to pass. One more time now. It's coming. Coming to pass. I believe it's coming. Every bit of it. Every bit of it. Hey, everything that is said, every way I've been led. Don't you know it's coming? Coming. Turn to your neighbor, say it's coming. Everything that is said, every way I've been led. Don't you know it's coming? Coming. Turn to your other neighbor, say it's coming. It's coming, it's coming. We're not going to take no for an answer. It's coming. Somebody shout, it's coming. 
And we're not taking no for an answer. Amen. <laughs> Pastor Joel, we love you. Excited for you. Excited for everybody in this room. Man, awesome.